0: Anglicans have bishops. In fact, most Christians in the world and throughout church history have had bishops. But where does this idea come from? Does it have any biblical warrant? I think it does. In the book of Acts, we see the apostles appointing elders or presbyters in the churches that they plant. So Paul and Barnabas make disciples in Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, for example, in Acts chapter 14. And then they revisit each of those places sometime later to appoint elders for those churches, Acts 14, verse 23. Paul's co-worker, Timothy, would have observed this pattern firsthand. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says, you know all about my teaching my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra? Indeed, Timothy himself was ordained by a group of elders, including Paul. In 1 Timothy 4, Paul says, Do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. In 2 Timothy 1, he reminds him to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, the church can exist without such presbyters, since it is birthed by the living word of God, yet they are appointed for its well-being. We see this in Titus chapter one, where Paul tells Titus to put into order what was left unfinished, and appoint elders in every town, as I directed you. And in Ephesians chapter 4, we hear about how the risen and ascended Christ gave gifts to his church, including pastors and teachers. So this was an established pattern for the well-being of the church. Just as elders were appointed and empowered by God, In Old Testament Israel to govern the people of God under the law of Moses. We can see that for example in Exodus chapter 18 and Numbers chapter 11. In the New Testament Timothy and Titus are in fact presented as more than simply elders or pastors. Paul directly authorised by the Lord Jesus himself as an apostle, appears to have given these men authority over other elders in more than a single congregation. So in 1 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy to keep other teachers in Ephesus in line and command them not to teach various heresies. He says, stay there in Ephesus, so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. Paul speaks as though Timothy has authority over them. He also tells Timothy the kind of people who should be appointed as elders and overseers publicly, in 1 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. That is, if such people can be found, and also how he is to organise the church. Why is Paul doing that? Well, presumably because Timothy has the authority to do the ordaining and the organising. Just as Timothy himself was set aside by the council of elders through the laying on of hands, he is also told that he should not be hasty in the laying on of hands, laying on hands on other people, as he considers whether he should ordain them or not. When it comes to other elders in Ephesus, Timothy is also told to keep an eye on their stipends and on their performance. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well, he says, are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching, One Timothy 5, verse 17. So Timothy is asked, to assess whether elders are doing their jobs properly and well and to make sure that they are uh, rewarded accordingly because a worker is worth his wages. He's also given advice on how to hear charges against other elders, again presumably because he is part of some authority structure over those elders. He is even to rebuke their behavior where necessary. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses, says Paul. But those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove before everyone so that others may take warning. Paul clearly envisages Timothy as having some authority over the other el- elders in this large city of Ephesus, just as Titus was also commanded to stay on the island of Crete so that he might put what remains into order and appoint elders in every town as Paul directed him. He is to do this if and only if he can find suitable people in each town. He exercises his judgment in that island-wide discernment process in the absence of the apostle. Titus is also told to silence and rebuke false teachers and told in Titus chapter 2, encourage and rebuke with all authority, do not let anyone despise you. This is especially so with those who are divisive or heretical teachers who he is to warn and avoid, Titus chapter 3. Now, all of this was certainly taken by the early church as a template for ongoing church leadership, including the clear indication that particular presbyters, sometimes we call them priests in English, could exercise authority over other presbyters. Now, they can do that in appropriate, orderly and apostolically sanctioned ways. This established a precedent for some kind of supra congregational authority, which we see developing when the church grows in the early centuries, as new churches are planted and leadership is required. That leadership was meant to be in line with the wider church, whose commonly accepted rules or canons of conduct were also to be borne in mind by particular congregations, so that the individual congregation didn't become too idiosyncratic or eccentric. We see that in 1 Corinthians, for example, where Paul reminds that eccentric church that they are Christians together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, he says. He speaks of rules on church practice, which he lays down in all the churches, in 1 Corinthians 7 and 11, for example. And he says in chapter 14, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. So there are commonly accepted standards of behaviour and practice for churches set down beyond the level of the congregation, which individual churches are meant to be aware of and follow. Or did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only people it has reached, says Paul? As the church grew, often it was the oldest or the most experienced presbyter who chaired the local council of elder overseers. This was the position which seems to have been held by James in Acts chapter 12 and 15 and 21, for example, and which Paul himself alludes to in 1 Corinthians 15 and Galatians chapter two. That figure eventually became known as the elder overseer because they oversaw the other elders. And so it seems right with the preface to the Anglican ordinal in the Book of Common Prayer, which says, it is evident unto all men, diligently reading Holy Scripture and ancient authors, that from the apostles' time, there have been these orders of ministers in Christ's church, bishops, priests, and deacons, which offices were evermore had in such reverend estimation that no man might presume to execute any of them, except he were first called, tried, examined, and known to have such qualities as are requisite for the same, and also by public prayer and imposition of hands, were approved and admitted thereunto by lawful authority. I think it is right that we can agree with that statement in the Book of Common Prayer. But what do you think? Uh, I'll set some questions now for us to uh, discuss, and I'd be interested to see what your answers and uh, what the discussion might be.